What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Relax. We're all gonna die. I'm your fearless leader, Jackie Dutton, here for another dose of perspective. To start today's episode, I guess I should share that I'm going through some personal shit. A loss. But today's topic isn't about the loss, it's about how to cope with it, and how to come out stronger on the other side. Unfortunately, I am a seasoned fucking professional at this by now, so I thought I'd share my process to help anybody who needs it, and to remind myself how to barrel through. I don't know about any of you, but I can't stand being sad. But not in the way that's normal. Like, most people are sad and they don't want to be and they don't like it. No, when I say I can't stand to be sad, or scared or anxious or sick or in pain for that matter, but any of those, pick one, I can't stand them so much that it makes me fucking angry. Because sadness, anxiety, illness, pain, I understand them for what they are. They are tools that your body and emotions use to tell you that you need to check in, slow down, take care of yourself, examine and work through some shit. I get it, okay? They're just so unproductive to me. If I'm sad, I'm just in a funk. If I'm sick, then I'm physically unable to do most of what I'd prefer to be doing. In pain, same thing. And anxious? Oh, fuck that one most of all. Because if you're anxious, you're still physically able, you know, you're not physically incapable of doing something like when you're sick or you're in pain, you're not sad, you're not sick, you're just paralyzed by fear for a completely irrational reason that you can't work your way out of. I don't have anxiety usually, but that one, that one is the shittiest of them all, in my opinion. Because you can take meds to get over an illness or be out of pain. You can go to therapy to help with sadness. You can move through grief. But you can even take drugs for any of these things, too. And you could take drugs for anxiety. But it's so irrational. And it rarely has a one-size-fits-all cure. Anyway, to be any one of those things is something I hate. And I hate it so much that I convert those things into anger. Because all of those things by themselves are as useful as coal. On its own, it's just this dirty lump of bullshit. But if you light it on fire, it becomes fuel. If you pressurize it, it becomes a diamond. So these emotions in their purest form, these problems in their purest form, are unproductive for me. But all of those things used and converted into anger? Now we found something to fucking work with. I know there are some people who don't do well with anger, but let me just say, it's my personal drug of choice. Want to work out harder? Get mad. Want to push through obstacles without feeling everything along the way? Be pissed off. Want to conquer a metaphorical mountain without giving a shit about who or what will stand in your way? Rage. It's not awesome, but it sure is productive. It's nature's steroids. And I would credit it with major boosts in income, weight loss goals achieved, and being able to pick myself up and walk away from some shit that initially felt like it would kill me if I didn't process it and convert its energy into something else. As I've gotten older, I've tried to wrap my mind around whether or not it's the healthiest path to coming out on the other side of something. Despite my glowing review of its positive effects on productivity, 
I know it can wreak havoc on you and the people around you, though. See, I know it to be productive, but I also know it to turn a person into a raging asshole at times because I learned this ability from my dad. I'd credit some mixture of anger, rage, and grief for some wild accomplishments in his life. For a lot of amazing things, from being an all-American collegiate athlete to becoming a lawyer, the dude got shit done. But he walked around with this personal ember of grief, rage, and he lit everything he did on fire with it. Almost like some kind of Midas touch. Some people were able to see it as passion, and for the things he loved, it absolutely was. But for things that challenged him or tried to get in his way, for those things, he was just angry. He took no prisoners, and he accomplished more and went further and harder than most ever do. It was an awesome example of accomplishing things. But the downside of this is that, for the people around you, it's like living with a wild lion in captivity. They get scary, and they roar when they're pissed off, and they might accidentally hurt you in the process of just being themselves. My siblings and I have inside jokes about the way he'd look at us or just how terrifying he could be at times. And it's funny now, but it was hard not to take it personal in a lot of moments. And I guess that's where my love affair with anger starts to falter. See, after my dad died, I took this really spiritual route. He'd been sick for a while, so I wasn't in shock that he'd abruptly left me. I had accepted an ending before one came, and it was a small relief when it happened because hanging around being a burden on people really wasn't his style. So I tried so gracefully to practice what I preach here. I tried to relax because we're all going to die. And I tried to have the utmost faith that he's around, just not the way I'd prefer most, and that I will see him again. I rationalized that it's a natural progression, a normal order of things. I used gratitude and was thankful for all the time I did have and never regretted a single moment of time spent with him over things that might have benefited me personally more instead. No, I didn't want to be angry because he finally wasn't. He could be at peace. So could I. And truthfully, I haven't used this little rage to productivity exchange in a while. I haven't needed to. And I'd convinced myself I'd probably evolved beyond it by now. Grown with wisdom, changed for the better, didn't need therapy, whatever. And then life walked up and kicked me square in my fucking lady balls. And because I am in pain on a couple levels, I've decided that I'd rather be furious right now. Don't be alarmed. I don't hulk out too bad. And if you'd like me to change back from the green monster into a normal human for a night, I'd prefer a red blend and at least a six-ounce glass. Or some bourbon. Tequila only makes this problem way worse for some reason, though, so don't order that. I'm usually fairly singular in my path of destruction, and I try not to cause too much collateral damage, but much like living with the lion, I'd say I'm liable to scare someone who thought I was just a domesticated cat. You know that saying, hurt people hurt people? Well, I think it's true. I think it's true because I'm sure at times I have accidentally hurt someone's feelings by being dismissive or seemingly callous, when really I was just too engulfed in my own bullshit to realize that I accidentally burned someone. Anger might be productive, 
but it's also pretty emotionally myopic. It doesn't allow for you to really open and sense and feel everyone else's spidey sensing shit around you. The people who are able to do hard things while maintaining graceful awareness and empathy are the most emotionally wonderful beings come to Earth. And I hope at some point when I have a little scar tissue from this that I'm able to meet them along that way. But for now, no. For now, I'd rather be angry. Because here's the thing. If I'm not angry, I'm just going to be sad. And I can't see through that. I can't help myself, let alone anyone else, with that. And I'm done being unproductive. Quarantine has been some pretty unproductive bullshit for a lot of people, but it's really felt unproductive to me. I'm over this shit, too. I'm angry about that now, too, because it's much easier to take things you felt kind of sad about but still able to function through and have one major cataclysmic event that makes you say, oh, wow, fuck this, too. So now, now I'm mad about everything to do with quarantine, especially when I see these social media assholes on five-star fucking vacations while my ass didn't even fly home to visit my own family for over a year. So I'm done with that shit too. I was talking to one of my best friends who shares my affection for this particular type of therapy. Let's call it rage therapy. And I've decided that this is the kind of support group that should exist. Because I don't want to sit in a room with a stranger or multiple strangers and cry. No, sorry, that isn't for me. But sit in a circle with some other Samuel L. Jackson-mouthed people and say the angriest thing you're thinking right now? Sign me up. I do not want to collectively be sad. I want to collectively set everything on fire. I want to be the lion who finds a pack. Notice how the lions don't collectively worry, they're assholes dominating everything in the jungle. No, they're just worried about killing the next wildebeest. I understand these types of people are terrifying for the wildebeest people in life, though, so I'll try to contain my anger, but fuck I am in need of an angry support group. Maybe just collectively angry women? We can call the therapy group angry beavers just to be funny. I don't care. But I want angry people to know that it's fine and it doesn't scare off everyone. It's just your process and it's okay. So I'm going to go through some how-to steps for rage therapy just so we're clear on how to turn coal into diamonds. Okay? Okay. The only time rage therapy is a problem is when you don't have a good direction for it. So pick a target before you start engulfing everything in flames. Pick a target. Step one, set a goal. If the social network movie is true, Mark Zuckerberg created Facebook because he was slighted by a girl. I'm not sure how you'd ever hear him interviewed and see him in person or on video or whatever and decide that his decision to create Facebook happened while he was inundated with real friends and pussy. So let's just go ahead and assume he was frustrated about something at the very least, which led him to create a multi-billion dollar company. A perfect example of using your fuel. Did he think to himself, billion dollar business at the time? Mm. Probably not. 
but he cracked out on Adderall and coded for days straight to sprout the seed that has grown into the beanstalk we all use today. So pick a target. And take the next step, get to work. Start coding, working out, eating better, sliding into another dude's DMs, whatever, babe. Whatever your goal is, start the work to obtain what it is you want. Some people might call this step reckless. I'd tell them it's hard to hear them speak inside their safety bubble of bullshit. Make a move. Wake up every day and make at least one move towards what you want. The more moves you make in a day, the faster you'll start seeing results towards what you want. Leading me to step three. Refuse to believe in any outcome other than success. Decide it. And then block everything else out. You want to know how people end up settling for mediocrity? Because they knew they could fall back on it. But the people who end up with an extraordinary life, the people who just keep succeeding in life, they refuse to accept any other outcome than their most extreme idea of success. Decide. And go for broke. I had an acting teacher once who used to say the phrase, leap and the net will appear. And while I don't recommend jumping off of a cliff and then praying for a parachute, I do recommend picking up speed like a train and then ramming straight into a brick wall just to prove that the force with momentum is stronger than the force with none. Which leads me to my next step. Stay angry and don't stop. Once you are massively pissed off about one thing, it's easy to start getting pissed off about a lot of other little things too. The dishwasher broke, angry, traffic, road bridge. Stupid coworker testing your patience again? Just go ahead and give them a death glare. Even over Zoom, magically, watch your life become less complicated while everyone just goes, oh shit, and gets out of your fucking way. Again, everybody usually sees a lion and moves because the lion doesn't wander around and apologize for it. It just is. The same people who think that this tactic is extreme are the same people who made fun of Michael Jordan repeatedly explaining himself, saying, and I took that personally. If you think that he wasn't the angriest guy on a basketball court at times, you weren't paying attention during that last dance documentary. So the next step? Stop worrying about being liked. Just demand to be respected. Again with the Lion, Michael Jordan, whoever, they don't care about a popularity contest. They care about their own shit and nothing else. They ultimately have never cared if someone called them an asshole. They didn't care if people were afraid of them. They set a goal, got to work, stayed mad, and focused. You will find that somewhere in your angry focus emerges a confidence that you never had before. And that confidence, anger, and focus just gives you a laser path towards what you want. I understand today, in today's world, we're all being told that kindness is key and empathy and awareness of other sensitivities and blah, 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 blah. Okay, fuck that. I am not advising you to get angry and commit a crime. I am advising you to get angry and commit an atrocious level of personal success and to do it in spite of something that would otherwise have tried to consume you. Grief, sadness, illness, anxiety, all of it. Convert it to something useful. Be angry. Use it. 
I doubt Elon Musk ever cared if someone thought he was stupid for trying to privatize space travel, and if there was anyone around him that would have told him that, he probably would have never talked to them again. I have a favorite story about Elon Musk and Tesla, real quick. I read this story online about a guy with a blog who was a car enthusiast. And he had a decent following, but it's not like he was the blogger god of the car world or anything. But this guy had pre-ordered a Tesla, which got him invited to an event where Elon Musk was going to show up and speak, and then they would go and unveil the new Tesla and all of this stuff. It was very private. Maybe less than 1,500 people were even invited in the first place, and it was touted to be this amazing event. Well, according to the blogger, Elon Musk was late to the event. So this guy wrote a shitty review, reminiscent of the Yelp attitude I talk about in the last episode, anybody? But he wrote a bad review of the Tesla event. And then at the very end, he said something to the effect of, but the car looked good, I guess. And then he ended his post. Well, somehow Elon Musk, a man in the middle of reshaping the future of electric cars, owning a solar panel company with battery storage, privatizing space exploration, digging commuter tunnels under the city of Los Angeles, funding a bullet train from LA to Vegas, you know, making flamethrowers on the side. He's got like a litter of kids. He has so many. And then he's also this major advocate for cryptocurrency, the future, all this other shit. He hears about this blogger's negative review and he cancels the guy's pre-order of the Tesla. I just love that out of all of Elon's business dealings and how he juggles 8 million things at once, he hears about this one stupid guy who said one negative thing and he goes, he said what? Well, fuck that guy in particular. This leads me to my next step on the road to rage therapy. Cancel your critics. Negative review? Delete it. Someone around you saying you won't succeed? Stop talking to them. Cut them off. Stop listening to anything other than people who believe in you. Even if that's only you. Believe your own hype. Clap for your damn self. There is a documentary on Travis Scott called Look My I Can Fly. Personally, I don't care for music where I can't really understand the lyrics, but watching the documentary made me respect the hell out of that guy. Because, one, he's just very unique. He doesn't care that his stuff isn't for everyone because he likes it, and two, because he refuses to have people around him who don't believe he's the shit too. He created the environment of wild hype and success by refusing to allow any other message to penetrate that bubble while he works hard. This step may require you to clean house a little in your social circle, but honestly, what were you doing fucking with people who didn't want you to be your best and thrive in the first place? You don't need to be rude about it. And asking them the simple question of why don't you want to encourage my success at this ends up forcing them to reflect on their tall poppy syndrome shit. For anyone who doesn't know what tall poppy syndrome is, it's this cultural phenomenon where most poppies in a poppy field only grow to a specific height, but occasionally there will be one that grows taller than the rest of them. And this syndrome culturally, it's this phenomenon where the person who grows higher and has more success than the majority, like this occasional poppy flower, 
they get mocked and cut down by everyone around them because they cannot stand the success or rise of the single one. So make one attempt at pointing out to someone who claims to love you that they also don't want to see you succeed, and then stop fucking with them if they refuse to fall in line. This leads me to my second-to-last step in my how-to guide. Pick your pack. Now, you can probably do it alone. You can do whatever goal it is alone. But Michael Jordan even says that the Bulls wouldn't have been so successful without Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and Phil Jackson and the rest of the team. Tiger Woods credits his dad for pushing and coaching him, and Elon Musk wouldn't be anywhere he is without the wildly intelligent people he employs. Love the dude, but he sure as shit isn't an engineer, so somebody with a technical degree on his team is helping him get his cars through tunnels and up into space. So build your team. Find your hype squad. The more people you have with a like-minded, myopic focus for the same goal or outcome, the faster you will succeed. Don't be discouraged if that doesn't happen immediately, though. But pay attention to the people not scared of your focus. The people willing to tolerate your asshole moments because they're part of your lion pack or pride? Yeah, them. I know male lions hunt alone, typically, but female lions feed themselves and everyone else in the pride by hunting together. The male lion takes down single wildebeests, but the female pride takes down like a whole hippo. So there's value in working with people. I will be honest, it is hard to find people who are as crazy obsessed as you. But starting with finding people within the industry that you want to be in who follow through That will be the best building block. And then you can go from there. Most of the time, your obsession will be infectious. And it will be infectious enough to inspire them to push harder and want more. It's hard not to get swept up in someone's passion when you love what they love too. And these people will understand that you may not always be likable, but you will always be respected as long as you focus and work hard. Here's something I learned while studying comedy. Frustration is funny. Watching someone get frustrated is hilarious, actually. And eventually, at the end of rage therapy, you will find a place where some of this was funny. You'll look back at your raging obsession towards the other side of your pain and your rage, and you will find moments that were absolutely hilarious. Because you pushed against it and fought through it, even in the face of the most ridiculous obstacles. But anger, true, out loud, raging anger, it isn't funny. It's terrifying to most people. Very few people rationalize how someone could feel something so deeply or be that angry about anything because most people are too afraid to go there. They're not only terrified of someone else's anger, they're too scared shitless to feel their own to examine it, to breathe it in, and then scream it out like a fire-breathing dragon. They have been told by other fearful people that it's bad to be angry, that people filled with rage do terrible, irrational things and hurt people, some who are innocent and some who aren't. But consider that the same minds who figured out how to send rockets to space also contributed towards the creation of the atomic bomb. 
Every powerful force can be used for good or evil. It's just the direction chosen that makes all the difference. And as long as your goal is not to truly hurt other people, you're fine. And I don't mean to be cognizant of possibly hurting or offending imaginary people or worrying that you'll step on toes of the easily bruised. No, no. Fuck those people. I am so tired of those people controlling the narrative because ultimately they're not the kind, sensitive people with empathy and grace. No, no, no. They're just fucking losers, okay? Every basketball player who complained about what an asshole Michael Jordan was are just now viewed for what they are. People who lost to Michael Jordan's teams. That's it, okay? That's it. They didn't outwork him. They didn't push harder than him. And consequently, they lost to him. Michael Jordan's success didn't take away from someone else's ability to work hard or to have their own success because the shots that he made didn't negate the points of other people scoring. No. He just consistently put up more points. That's it. So fuck anyone who tries to claim that the points you score affect their ability to score their own. Newsflash, it doesn't. And this isn't a conversation about diversity or privilege or misogyny. It's a conversation about pushing yourself through something horrible that's happened to you until you find the last step on your pathway of rage therapy. And this is to be present enough to be proud of yourself when you see how far you've come. See, after your rage therapy blackout, you'll start to realize that you have little to no memory of the pain you push through. You won't remember specific events or singular feelings or a lot of moments. It's all just this hazy blur of work and going through motions. But at some point, eventually, after the momentum of the rage wave slows up, you will come up for air and you'll realize how far you've come. You'll remember where you started and you'll realize how far away you have traveled from that place. Sometimes this is a shock at first, especially when the force you exerted isn't something you can really remember that well off the top of your head. It's how the overnight success story becomes a narrative because people have just blacked out and forgotten the middle steps because they were too busy working to remember it all. But if you do it right, when you finally realize you're not where you started, you'll vaguely recall that place and you'll finally compare it to your new surroundings. So the crazy successful people like Michael Jordan, Elon Musk, I don't know if they ever do this. I don't know if they ever feel like they've completed anything or if one thing is just catapulting them into another goal, another business, another championship. And I think it's incredible to let success fuel you into more success. But Watching The Last Dance, there's one moment where Michael Jordan tells the story of winning the first championship after his dad had been murdered, and how after they won, he got to the locker room and he just sobbed. Sometimes wrapped in a goal that's motivated by grief, there's a lot of other emotions besides just your converted anger. But the completion of that goal can sometimes feel like a loss, too, because you processed your pain in a way that you set out to, but now that it's over, you have to deal with whatever's left. And big, huge things like that kind of loss 
they aren't going to be processed and solved by a single win or small steps or a larger bank account. And I think that a lot of successful, angry people are spurred from one success to another by their simple desire to not want to actually deal with their issue. So they go back to step one of rage therapy and they pick a new goal and they start all over. I guarantee you that buried under some of the most successful people this planet knows, you will find some of the most tortured souls. I have yet to hear what Jeff Bezos' problem is, but I doubt it's an easy story of mediocrity and simplicity. (laughs) Much like the 12 steps of addiction recovery and therapy, I think this process of working through your problems with motivated anger is very similar in that you have choices when you're done. You can relapse, you can start the program over, or you can go forward with your new sober perspective and hopefully having worked through these steps, you are stronger, you're more equipped to handle the processing of what led you here to begin with. In the loss I've had, I've been told two very conflicting things. The first is that there was nothing I could have done to change it. And the second is that someday there will be a reason why it was meant to happen this way. One of those explanations is physical and the other is more metaphysical, but still, I'm in the middle of asking, well, what the fuck was the reason I couldn't change it before it happened? I'm adding layers to my anger by asking questions like that, and it's just building up steam that's generating my momentum forward through rage therapy. But I know that once I'm on the other side of this pain, it will be a memory. Like all other pain is just a memory. Instead of this all-consuming shadow monster just haunting my mind. I know I'll get there one step at a time, one rage-fueled fire-breathing breath at a time. I just hope that running out of fucks also counts as cardio because I can't find a single one to give about a lot of irrelevant things in life right now. Social media, politics, the media's narrative, other people's fear. Nope, don't care. All of that can just skip on down the sea back to its home on a relevant bullshit island because I'm done with it. And I'm going to start at step one. So if you'd like to go through rage therapy with me, hit the subscribe button. Send me a DM. We can be angry beavers together. Thank you guys so much for listening to Relax, We're All Gonna Die. I release an episode every Wednesday at noon Eastern time. I am Jackie Dutton, and I will catch you guys in the next one. 